Welcome to Dairy Stream, focused on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, welcome to another edition of Dairy Stream as we continue to look at COVID-19 and its impact on the dairy industry and not only how the industry is responding, but the government as well. Uh, joining us today, we actually have two guests. We'll be leading off with Aaron Stoffaker. He's the Associate Director of Government Affairs for Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And then uh, later on in the program, uh, we'll be joined by Tim Trotter, the Executive Director of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. But right now, we want to get into a conversation or a topic we didn't have all the facts on uh, when we last talked with you on Dairy Stream. And that was the fact about the CARES program or what it really was going to provide dairy producers and the industry. And Aaron, let's start right there. Uh, what now has the federal government done that really affects dairy farmers and agriculture in general? Well, the federal government through Congress and administrative agencies have been focusing on keeping our food supply up and running and keeping our food our food product businesses working so the rest of the nation can be made can be fed by nutritious and healthy products. So kind of a broad overview of what Congress has done. They've passed three COVID-19 response bills. Two of them had specific provisions that farmers should really be paying attention to. And then this week, they are working on fourth package to, to remedy some of the, the inadequacies of the most recent federal response package that is known as the CARES Act that was passed in late March. Well, let's talk a little bit specifically about the CARES Act, the funding that now is provided from the USDA and what other aspects make up the relief package as far as how they're trying to assist the dairy industry and help producers and processors keep their heads above water. So the CARES Act was passed in, I think, on March 27th. And now we're about a month out from that. The CARES Act was ultimately about $2 trillion to cover all aspects of our nation's economy. It had you know, certain programs for large businesses, small businesses, state and local governments, obviously a huge component for, for public health, as well as you know the headline that has really taken over media, and that is direct financial assistance for individuals. But for agriculture, really, there was two components that we were watching for. One is funding at over at the U.S. Department of Agriculture in terms of how it could roll out programs in terms of helping farms, as well as fulfilling their critical mission of implementing our food assistance programs to make sure our food products can move to those who need it. The second really big component of the CARES Act for farmers is the small business aspect, right? Because farms, not only do they produce food for the rest of our country, they also are employers and they're running businesses, right? So I'll talk a little bit about the, the tranche of money that farmers are using to, to make sure that their business operations can stay intact throughout this pandemic crisis and make sure that their employees are, are safe, healthy, but also that they can continue to pay their employees. So yeah, why don't you give us more details then on the attention and focus, especially in that small business loan area? What really is involved there? I'll talk about one program that has obviously taken kind of the headlines in the past few weeks. 
And that is called the Paycheck Protection Program. Congress and the CARES Act allotted $349 billion. Right when the CARES Act was signed, we were wondering whether farms would even be eligible. However, it has come that they are eligible. And so what these short-term loans are is that they provide a safety net for farms and other small businesses to make sure that they can continue business operations through this, right? And so it is essentially a program that it's not government money right now flowing to individual businesses. It's actually pushing private capital out. And I think that's important to note because when they are pushing private capital out, we have seen them be able to, or the government be able to get money in the hands of businesses that really need it now. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, the revenue streams have really plummeted. And so they need that revenue now to make sure that they can continue to employ their workers that you know service the rest of their, the economy, right? But what's mm-hmm. important about the, the loans within these paycheck protection programs is they are eligible to be forgiven. If a businesses use these funds to to use for payroll costs, mortgage interest, rent, utility costs, really those things to make sure that their business operations can continue. There's a certain aspect that will be forgiven with those. So we've already seen the program open up and we've already seen that $349 billion be depleted. However, as I mentioned earlier, that this week Congress is looking at topping up those funds to the tune of about $320 billion. So farmers who have not been able to get their applications and be approved for the Paycheck Protection Program, they're will be an opportunity to to get their applications and get it approved here in the next week or so. However, at this time, we don't know the exact details when those programs will be opened up. However, it is important for farms to really be on on top of it when it comes to applying uh, for those loans. And importantly, the Paycheck Protection Program, folks do have to work through existing lenders and participating lenders in the program. So they really do have that expertise using their their private lenders to, to make sure that their applications are full and complete. So just to be clear, Aaron, if I'm a producer and I'm looking for one of these loans, I have to work through my lenders or how do I actually apply for these loans? So yes, the Paycheck Protection Program Individual small business owners like farmers do have to work through their lenders or another lender for these loans. And through their lender, the lender will submit the application and be be approved by the SBA for the loan so those folks can receive the money as quickly as possible. I would also like to point out a distinction between a different loan program that this fourth legislative package that's being Mm -hmm. passed this week will make available for farms, and that is the Emergency Economic Injury Disaster Grants and Loans Program. It's the acronym EIDL, it'll be referred to as. So this bill is going to increase the available grant dollars in this program by about $10 billion after, again, the previous appropriations in the CARES Act did become depleted. But this legislation also, importantly, allows farms and other agricultural enterprises to enroll in the EIDL program. This change means that farms can now apply for low interest loans through the EIDL program and qualify not only for the loans, but also qualify for a $10,000 emergency grant that does not have to be repaid. Ultimately, to be eligible, you know, a business does have to show economic harm, uh, which isn't too hard in this day and age. And then there, there are limitations to the use of those funds as well as those funds being capped. It is important to know that the EIDL loans, you do have to apply directly to SBA online. It's very easy to, to find that uh, application portal 
portal. It's as simple as going to Google, typing in SBA EIDL loan program, and, and it'll be one of the first links that pops up. So, so that Aaron, is an important distinction. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Aaron, but if I'm listening no to this, is that one of the programs I can apply for now, or is there a timetable I have to wait before I can start that process? As of right now, the portal does have to open back up because there, you know, there is currently no funds in the, in the program right now. So okay. funds do have to be made available after congressional action. And then we expect the president to sign that fairly soon after. So it's Thursday today. The House is expected to take it up this afternoon, and we expect the president to sign it shortly thereafter. However, it's still a little bit of TBD in terms of when farmers and other small business owners will be able to go to that portal and submit their applications. Well, thanks for that clarification. Just want to make sure that uh, those in the industry understand the dates and some of this is still fluid and the details will be coming out as far as specifics. But again, thanks for that overview. We are spending time with Aaron Stoffaker. He's the Associate Director of Government Affairs for Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. He is part of today's special broadcast from Dairy Stream on COVID-19. And earlier you did mention, uh, Aaron, about the fact that the USDA's plan also includes $3 billion in food product purchases for redistribution, the food assistance program. From your perspective, why is that important? It's very important in terms of moving product from our farms to our processors and then from our processors to those who need it. You know, with unemployment spiking as a result of this crisis, there will be a surge in demand for food assistance programs, not only the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program that's that's referred to as SNAP, but also a surge on our food banks that serve, you know, underserved populations or those who, who can't simply afford food at this time. So it is important for those food product purchases to be made, but I also would like to point out a very significant aspect of those. So they did announce in the coronavirus food assistance program last Friday evening that $3 billion is really going to be targeted towards products that have been significantly impacted by the closure of food service markets. So us in the dairy industry, we're talking about the plummet in demand due to the food service markets closing. So what USDA is essentially trying to do is to offset that demand uh, or that loss in demand from the closure of food service markets and redistribute those products to food distribution hubs like food banks, community and faith-based organizations and other nonprofits that can use up those products right away. So we don't have a significant stockpile of dairy products and other agricultural products when, when you know we make it through this pandemic crisis. So in terms of that $3 billion, USDA announced that they will be making 100 million in purchases every month in dairy product purchase specifically. They will also be making similar $100 million purchases in two buckets in the, the meat category as well as the produce category as those are significant ag products that have seen a plummet demand due to the closure of, of food service. So we are very excited for that, those food product purchases and the targeted purchases towards those have been offset and making sure those products can be used up in the near future. One of the things we talked quite a bit about, Aaron, prior to the announcement from the USDA was the dairy margin coverage program. And the Ag Secretary did announce that that was not going to be reopened. Uh, was your organization disappointed that this was not going to happen? 
when it comes to the dairy margin coverage program, the otherwise known as DMC, that's really a risk management tool that mm-hmm. farmers have the opportunity to sign up for in the beginning of the year to protect against losses coming into the year. So while that could have been an option for USDA to take, we were looking for a different program for USDA to make available. So essentially, the crisis that we are in is caused by COVID-19, right? And so USDA's action really needs to look at something, you know, a program to address the situation as it relates to COVID-19. And so as it pertains to those other dairy risk management programs like DMC and then dairy revenue protection, we really didn't see monkeying with those programs as much as making sure that we have a new program, something simple, something that we can, you know, get money in the hands of farmers to make it through these next couple months. So USDA did announce that they will not be opening up the DMC program, but instead going with a more direct financial assistance program that they've released some details, but we are waiting to see further details and and how producers will ultimately be eligible for those funds. Well, thanks for that answer. And moving on for there, and again, we're spending time with Aaron Stoffaker, the Associate Director of Government Affairs for Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Let's look ahead. I mean, besides what you have announced and what is available now, in your perspective, is there any more you're hoping to see from the federal government coming? And if anything might be coming, what do you feel that is and what do you feel is still needed? Right now, we're examining, you know, what the program that USDA is going to be making available in the next hopefully few weeks in making sure farmers have something going into the month of May. Uh, What we're hearing is uh, the USDA is really making sure that the programs that they're working on that farmers will receive that assistance at, you know, towards the end of May. You know, in terms of the program, the coronavirus food assistance program that the USDA rolled out last week, they made available $16 billion in direct financial assistance. $2.9 billion is going to be STEM for dairy farmers. But it's also important to note that the CARES Act did allocate more money to the Commodity Credit Corporation, the CCC, for other financial assistance, as well as more funding in some of the other risk management programs, as we are going to see a spike in in the need for funds for those. Fortunately, USDA did not have the ability to use that $14 billion in the CARES Act immediately. They will be able to use that July 1st of this year. So as we move through the month of May, as we move through the month of June, a lot of attention is going to be focused on, okay, what did this program do that they rolled out last week after stemming from the CARES Act? And really be focused on that that use of the $14 billion as it amounts to like, okay, what other programs can we make available for farmers so that they can make it through this crisis? You know, the funds at hand, you know, I, I believe the, the most recent number I've heard is that ag commodities across the U.S. and farmers are going to be losing upwards of $40 billion. And so the amount of, of funds that USDA has to work with right now in the $16 billion that was released, you know, doesn't really come close to the true need of farmers across the country. So there is going to be a lot of attention as as Congress works through maybe another relief package, you know, maybe in the month of May. That's still a little bit 
TBD right now. Mm -hmm. Congress is scheduled to come back on May 4th. You know, they might come back sooner. They might postpone that session to, to see, you know, what we really need to do and where we are at in those few weeks. Because this thing has really taken off in terms of we're in a much different situation than where we were two weeks ago, than where we were four weeks ago. And I think folks are focusing on making sure that they are providing programs that'll actually help solve problems. Well, Aaron, we certainly appreciate your insights here and providing clarification on some of the things that have been done, why they've been done, and how they're going to impact the industry, not only short-term, but in some cases, long-term as well. We also are glad that you're kind of looking ahead to what else could be happening that will continue to provide uh, some assistance during what, again, is a program, the COVID-19, that we really have no end date on. So still a lot of uncertainty, but thank you for answering a lot of questions and putting some light on some subjects that people wanted more answers for. Now, just in closing, if I'm a farmer and I want to keep up with everything that's going on in D.C., What's your recommendation? Go to your website or what kind of sources would you recommend? So, Edge, we do have a COVID-19 website uh, that houses a lot of good resources. Edge and DBA as an organization, we are, you know, trying to keep our members updated whenever something significant happens out there. Uh, The ag media is doing a great job of of covering what's available out there and and what the government is doing. And we're trying to provide our our insight there. But here in the next couple of days, we are going to see uh, further action that that farmers really should be paying attention to. And whether it's through our emails, listening to our podcast, listening to the radio, or just reading other general ag media, because everyone wants farmers to make it through this, right? And so there is a lot of information out there and farmers really should be in tune to when more funds available are made available as it relates to the small business loan programs, as well as programs that are going to be coming down uh, as a result of the coronavirus food assistance programs as we are awaiting more details on how those programs work and how farmers can sign up for those funds. Again, my thanks to Aaron Stoffaker. He's the Associate Director of Government Affairs for Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. We appreciate all his insights and again, casting some light on what is a very cloudy subject for many of us. And of course, for a lot of you who are wondering what you can do, where you can get more information. Well, taking that task is Tim Trotter. He's Executive Director of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, and he's going to share those insights. I'm Mike Austin. More to come on Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Dairy farming is fundamentally changing, and dairy farmers are looking for progressive leadership, new approaches, and a louder voice. Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative makes that commitment. With members on all sizes of dairy farms throughout the Midwest, Edge amplifies dairy farmers' voices, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and in our communities. Driven by passion and innovation, Edge delivers maximum value so our members succeed. Learn how we can work on behalf of farmers at voiceofmilk.com. Well, welcome back to Dairy Stream. Joining us now is Tim Trotter. He's the executive director of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. As we are looking at the Edge's really service to its members and how uh, members can get more involved as we continue to focus in on and try to keep you informed on COVID-19 and not only how it's impacting you, but how you can get involved in this battle as well. But first of all, Tim, I want to talk a little bit about the economic pressures uh, that your members are actually feeling. And I mean, obviously, I know they must be nervous, they're concerned, but can you kind of explain and give us, paint kind of the landscape of how people are feeling right now? You know, Mike, I think the 
the, the first thing, when we started into 2020, this was to be the rebound year for dairy. So I think when we went into, you know, December, January, there was a lot of optimism. Uh, at Dairy Strong, we, we couldn't have had a better climate. I mean, people were excited. And then COVID hit. And I think it was one of those things that uh, nobody could ever anticipate happening. So I think there's shock throughout dairy, uh, throughout the whole world, throughout our whole economy. Dairy farmers, you know, knowing that they were still trying to climb out of four years of depressed the depressed prices and uh, red ink on their balance sheets. So this is definitely a stressor that they didn't anticipate, nor did their lenders. So I think this has added a lot of complexity, not only the fact that that they're they're hurting right now, but we don't know how long this road's going to be. And unfortunately, many of them are, you know, operating on shoestrings. And frankly, you know, I think they're concerned, even they're, they're trying to find money for inputs for the crops. You know, spring is a very labor-intensive, a capital-intensive time. So it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, dairy farmers, I think, are just at their wit's end. Uh, from an economic standpoint, I think they're all worried. I don't care what size farm you talk to. They all have concern. And the thing of it is, we don't have that blazing bullet to say that tomorrow morning things will return to normal, because I think normal is going to change throughout this process. Well, I know that uh, Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative has been working hard with producers trying to keep them informed and trying to improve uh, the dairy scenario. Can you highlight a couple of things as far as your approach to helping individual farms and also the dairy community in general? Well, our help began before we even really understood the impacts on dairy. Our team uh, meets every day talking about what can we do for farmers, anticipating that this might have happened. I think we were, you know, really leaning forward, looking at this as a real threat. Uh, so we were, I think, kind of on the front end of this. We were already working to keep farmers informed. I mean, because there's several things that farmers are concerned about, not only the economic issues that we just talked about, but how do you keep your employees safe? How do you keep your farm safe? How do you keep your family safe through this, uh, through COVID? So I think we've been working really hard by, you know, we have a landing page on our homepage with facts that, you know, direct people to the right agencies to get the support they need. So we've been a resource hub through this whole thing because that's what's really important. You hear a lot of rumors. You go on Facebook. There's a lot of things you don't know what you can believe. So our approach to this whole thing is to really making sure the information we're giving our farmers and processors are factual and really trying to be proactive and really anticipating what will they need to succeed and survive this, this outbreak. We're spending time with Tim Trotter, the executive director of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, and you are listening to Dairy Stream. And, you know, I know your organization is known as the voice of milk, but you're trying, especially during this time, to make sure that voice is even louder and that the industry itself is speaking in one voice. Can you tell a little bit uh, to the audience about how you're working with other groups, not only dairy groups, but agricultural groups in general? You know, everybody's in the same boat. I mean, we're all taking on water. We're all concerned where this is going to go. Unfortunately, this is hitting all sectors of agriculture. Uh, and, and this is worldwide, just not here in the U.S. So I think there's the need to understand that we all have to band together to make sure that agriculture is treated fairly, uh, understanding that it's probably, it's probably not doable to think that the government's going to make everybody whole but we want to make sure that we get as much as we possibly can through programs and assistance because all sectors of agriculture are suffering. And, you know, we need the beef industry. We need the corn industry. We, 
we need we need everybody to be successful in this. Now, I know in our conversation with Aaron, he talked about the CARES program and kind of explained all the insights into that program so producers can better understand. When you talk about these strategies, who really makes the decisions and what are your resources? The decisions are really made at the board level, but um, we have an active EDGE policy team that, um, uh, and even through DBA, our sister organization, so we have ongoing conversations with key influencers in our membership to talk about what really makes sense and what's going to help them. But the board ultimately is driving the ship here. Executive staff are just taking our cues from, from the board. They're very engaged. They're meeting several times a week to talk about uh, options and strategies because, you know, it's ever changing, Mike. I mean, every day is a new, a new journey in this. And, you know, there's always, there's always a political undertow to everything we do in this world. So it's not only understanding practically what has to happen, but how do we get it worked through both, both parties? And that is an art form, and it's something you're always trying to master every day. And Tim, for those that may not be real familiar with your cooperative, you also, though, do have a lobbyists available and that are sharing your voice both in Madison and in Washington, correct? Oh, that's correct. Yes, we have Michael Turing Associates. It's been on board with us going on four years now. Uh, Mike is boots on the ground in D.C. with the support of Aaron Stoffaker here in, in Madison. We have a very, very strong policy team, well-connected, good insight within the administration and also congressional leadership. We are working around the clock. And I mean, there's not one day a week that we're not sharing information back and forth evenings and weekends, because I'll tell you, there's a, there's a lot of pressure, and it's important. This is a marathon. This isn't a race. We have to every day know that our feelings are being heard, and we're really trying to think innovatively, how do we really get relief to farmers as quickly as possible, and also how do we mitigate the length of this? We don't want to trade off, you know, obviously health for agriculture or for the economy, but we need to have a balance. So I think what a lot of us are trying to work on is how do we balance the both? Because people at home, are they're not working. And the longer we don't work, the worse a lot of things are going to get. So uh, our policy team in D.C. has been very masterful at this. And I, I think at the end of the day, we'll be able to point and say we made that happen. Tim, also farmers, though, individually want to make sure that they're thoughts and their voice is being heard and that they want to be a part of this policy creation. You did say how your board and your committee basically puts things together, but if I'm an individual producer that's a member of the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, how can I really get a bigger voice or have more input in that policy creation? Well, what's really awesome is, you know, as I mentioned before, we get calls every day of what can I do? Best thing you could do is reach out to your congressional leadership, your, your, you know, your, your people within the district staff at all the offices. You know, we are really good at getting the right information to people. Uh, we do member alerts very frequently to let farmers know what to communicate, what are the facts, give them the resources they need to take action on their own, but are understanding what the strategy is of EDGE. So I think our member communications is where it all begins and ends. It's a two-way communication that we fully understand what the concerns are of our members, but also giving them an opportunity to have a voice. Because you're right, Mike. I mean, it's one thing if Tim Trotter or Michael Torrey calls a congressional leader, but it's another thing if our rank and file members do. And so I think that's one thing that EDGE has really prided itself on is our ability to really mobilize our members and really give them the permission and the opportunity to do what they do best. And that's talk about how this has impacted their farms.
Talking with us today on Dairy Stream is Tim Trotter, the executive director of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And change has been a word we've been hearing a lot from all our guests and just in individual conversations. And the fact that things more than likely because of COVID-19 won't be like they used to be. So from your perspective, what kind of long-term fundamental changes to dairy policy do you see that could result from this crisis? There's several things. And first of all, I think, and we've seen this a time or two already over the last few years, I think it's really important that farmers are really more engaged with their processors, understanding the market segments that they fill, and really having an open communication of what the what the opportunities are and what the threats are with those different value chains. You know, the one thing about Edge that's really awesome is we represent the majority of the independent processors. These are really, I say, the trailblazers in innovation. So I think we're really lined up well with our members and their, their milk processors that, I mean, they're very innovative, but at the same time, we have to be communicating more as to where we're going when, and really talking about these what-if scenarios. I mean, this, you know, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this. And my dad always said every generation sees a pandemic. And I think he's, unfortunately, I think he's right. And I think it's just how do we react and be proactive about, you know, we always think that nothing's going to happen to us. You know, we have this, you know, this feeling that we're, we're safe and secure. Well, we now know that we are in a very fluid world and we really need to be proactive about communication with our processors. But also, I think from the association side, just understanding how important it is to have risk management tools at your disposal to make sure that you have your cost of production covered either through private sector uh, tools to market through using uh, market strategies but also understanding that our dairy policy needs to support dairy farmers no matter what size farm you are so if you have five cows or five thousand cows your dairy policies need to be able to fit all farms. So I think there's some fundamental things there that we can do that unfortunately are not going to help us right now, but I think it's a lesson learned and we need to take it seriously. Just uh, trying to add on to that, uh, besides these points, what kind of advice do you have for not only your dairy farmers, but those processors that they can do now? Well, I think you can never over-communicate. There's a lot of you know, the world we're in, everything's on Facebook, everything's on social media. Go to the source. If you think you've heard something that you believe might be true, go to the source. Don't go off of rumors. What's going on in our world right now is very real, but I want to make sure that when we're making policy decisions, when we're making very critical decisions on our farm, we want to make sure we have the facts and not, you know, how the fish always gets bigger every time you tell the story. We need to make sure that we have the facts and what we can tangibly do to help. And I think if there's anything farmers can do right now is to stay connected, especially over the next 10 days, to really make sure the administration and Congress understands what our needs are and don't stop until we get it done. You know, again, this is a marathon. We have to be persistent. You've been listening to Tim Trotter, Executive Director of the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. We want to thank him for his insights today and his optimistic and factual look at what we are facing and what we may be seeing in the future. Also want to thank Aaron Stoffaker, the Associate Director of Governmental Affairs for Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, for updating us on what the latest USDA plan is, other actions as far as what could be taken and kind of giving a perspective on where we are with the CARES Act and what it can do for producers, but what also still needs to be done. Obviously, there is still a need for more information. That's why we will continue to have these special broadcasts about COVID-19. As always, we wish you to be safe. We thank you for your service. Thank you for listening to Dairy Stream.
Hey, thanks for listening to Dairy Stream. We value your feedback, so let us know what you thought and what you'd like to hear by emailing us at podcast at dairyforward.com.